You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Milwaukee. Also, the Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Boners Lake, which I found out uh, is south of Burlington uh, in Racine County in Wisconsin. I have at least a little bit of a feeling that we don't actually have an affiliate in Boners Lake. Uh, I may be uh, getting a little... uh, prank here from one of our fantastic listeners but if so you know what i'm just gonna applaud it and, and keep it moving and i did make sure to look it up it's b-o-h-n-e-r-s lake uh so i looked it up and you just told me wikipedia let us know exactly how it's pronounced apparently yeah it says the first syllable is pronounced like bone so it was named for anthony i'm, I'm it's a, a french immigrant named anthony bonaire perhaps uh so that would be the classier way to say it i guess i'm not i let's be clear i do not uh cape for french pronunciations the way i pronounce the cape for german pronunciation so i I i'm not going to stand behind that but um i'm actually shocked that i'd never heard of boners lake wisconsin because i feel like that's too funny of a name to not uh like have teenage when you're a teenager like have people bring up I mean, so, I mean, I the know. classic is what uh, the Bong Recreation Area. That's yeah, like right on the way south. Um, but yeah, I've never heard of Boners Lake, but today I have, and I guess I mean, I got to get out there to our ESPN affiliate, so I'll be sure to do that. The voice. By the way, do you, do you know the the full name of the, who the Bong State Recreation Area is named after? Um, it's Richard Bong, right? Dick Bong. Yeah, that's right. Right. Okay, that's what I thought. Major Richard I. Bong, a Poplar, Wisconsin native, who was America's leading air ace during World War II. So there you go. Shout out to him. Um, so the the person you hear explaining random fa- facts and pronunciations, uh, that is the voice of my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. And also, before I ask Frank how he's doing, I would like to tell you that today's podcast is brought to you by PosterBurner.com. Again, go to PosterBurner.com slash bucks today, and you'll get an additional 10% off your order. And as I've told you many times before, what they do is take your pictures, put them on posters or canvas prints, metal prints, decals, stickers, banners, and much, much more. So you can do all of that at posterburner.com slash bucks, and that'll get you an additional 10% off your order. With all of that being said, Frank, how you doing, buddy? should probably have someone, if, if we had a really dedicated listener who was like uh, a psychopath, maybe they could... Uh, chart like make a Wisconsin map of every affiliate we've ever done and then just turn that into like a massive poster burner uh, like oh, 24 wow. by 36 that would be that would be scary if anybody actually wanted to do that but I, I'll issue that challenge if we have any deranged listeners out there with way too much free time and want to listen to you know the last 
year of uh, podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Coach Chart, all the random references we've had to cities in Wisconsin. Um, there, there's a late summer uh, thing, thing to do. Um, I'm good. Uh, I was normally, I, I, a lot of times I travel on Thursdays. I traveled yesterday instead. Uh, and while I was driving back, I was listening to um, our our friends uh, and former colleagues at, at Brew Hoop, uh, Adam Paris, uh, Kyle Carr, and Riley Feldman. They were doing a podcast mailbag. Um, do check out the the relaunch brew hoop pod, which they started, uh, I don't know, maybe like a month ago or something like that, maybe a month or month or two ago. Um, anyway, they were doing a mailbag, and one of the questions was, I think, I think it was framed as like most, like your most valuable bucks or something to that effect, and it reminded me of an exercise we used to go through every year on brew hoop, which was the trade value asset ranking uh, series where we would do like votes and. Uh, it was partially uh, partially inspired by, and I forget, God, I forget the name of the site. It was a, it was like a site that was like a blog about like all. It wasn't just Buck stuff. It was like uh, general Wisconsin sports stuff. And I'm trying to remember what it was. I apologize if somebody who wrote for the site uh, is screaming at their iPod or their 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 po- podcasting app because I can't remember. But they did a series like years and years ago called Buck Survivor. Which is a very great idea. I, don't, I think I think they maybe did something similar on Buck's Reddit um, recently, or like the last couple of years. But basically, the idea is you know you kind of vote people off Buck's Island in this case, um, which is effectively sort of like a. I mean, it could be it, depending on your criteria, right? It could be a uh, asset ranking, right? Like a trade value ranking if you're factoring in. Um, you know, player contracts and age and things like that, and contract control, things like that, right? Which we always did in in our brew thing, because of course we're nerds, we have to do it that way. <laughs> um, you know, Bill Simmons used to do his trade value column, which I always loved, um, and uh, which he hasn't done in a couple of years. I feel like I don't know if he's done it in a while. R.I.P. Um, good Bill Simmons content. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then uh, so we always sort of like like I like that model, um, and it, it was always confusing though, right? Because understandably a lot of people will also interpret it as like, well, I, I just want to pick the bet like the alternative, like the, you could look at it as a trade value thing, or you could look at it as just like, who's going to be the best bucks players next year. Right. That's yeah. like the more contract agnostic. That's sort of what we did the other day when we were doing our uh, pickup game draft, right? Like we were yes. just sort of thinking like, who's going to help me win a game tomorrow. Right. We weren't caring about contracts, all that stuff. Um, so I know we, we were just discussing it before the podcast to try to make sure we were aligned on what this is. So the criteria we're using for this is, you know, think of yourself as the GM of the Bucks, John Horst, or, you know, give yourself or, or Bike Moodenholzer or whatever name you want to give yourself. And <laughs> we're going to do it like it's an ex- there's an expansion draft and or, or think of it as Bucks Survivor. But either way, you have the Bucks current roster with the current salary obligations. You are trying to, you know, make this get this team to win games this year and in the future and keep Giannis and do all these things all the things that John Horace actually needs to do all the things that ownership actually cares about and the premise is that there is an expansion draft and so basically you have to progressively protect players so we decided to start with a 17 player pool um, that is basically all the Bucks guarantee contracts plus Tyler Zeller Shabazz Muhammad and Christian Wood um, so the idea being that, yes, we know there are a couple other like training camp contracts like Travis Trice and, 
uh, Jordan Barnett, and I think Brandon McCoy is the other one, the last one, who we never talk about. Um, but those guys aren't going to make the roster, so we're just going to ignore them. We're also going to ignore the two-way guys. Um, I guess we could include them, but I just don't have opinions on them, so I, um, we just decided not to include them. Um, so we have 17 guys, most of them guaranteed contracts, a few of them not. And the, again, the idea is you're trying to decide if there's an expansion draft and you will you know, possibly or likely lose the players you don't protect, who do you protect? Who do you want to keep? And we decided from a timing perspective, we're just going to do it right now. We're not going to assume that it happens at the beginning of the summer. We're going to assume it happens right now. So if you lose a guy, obviously there's not a lot of free agents out there to, to go replace. Um, let's assume the Bucks don't have a lot of salary flexibility, which they don't have. Um, so... That also is is obviously a factor. It'd be maybe a little different if you were we were dialing it back to July one when you know the Bucks had their full Emily and you know we you could say I don't want to sign our son I want to sign somebody else whatever. But we're not in that world. We're in August. What is it? Twenty third. It's August twenty third. Training camp is a month away, and the you know think of it if you're a, an Avengers movie fan, uh, you've been given the uh, Infinity Gauntlet uh, from Thanos and. <laughs> You can uh, just just project and and wish away uh, players from the Milwaukee Bucks, <laughs> and so I think we'll we'll start at the bottom of the roster and go up. Um, spoiler alert: Giannis Antetokounmpo will be number one, um, but we'll start at the bottom and we'll see how many podcasts this stretches out to. But so we're starting with the guys that you are most happy to put out there exactly. and let someone take in an expansion draft, right? Exactly. That, that's guys the way we're viewing it. Right, guys that you know you you put on the corner uh, when it's um, you know uh, bulky item pickup day and say <laughs> take it away, you know here's my old couch. Anybody wants it, free to you. Um, so yes, we will start with the 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 guys that you wouldn't want, and of course I'm just going to warn you guys. I am because I'm a cap nerd. I will probably be more biased towards combat towards getting rid of bad contracts rather than just you know, putting the worst players uh, as unprotected. And I think that was always one of the things I noticed when we did this exercise on Brew Hoop, that voters, the the readers, always had more of a bias towards getting rid of poor players who were, you know, on like one-year minimum deals, whereas I was always like, no, get rid of the guys on bad contracts. <laughs> so anyway, full full transparency. Um, that, that Spoiler alert, that's how probably uh, you'll see that in my selections. Um, but because Eric and I... I think we agree too much. We decided to not share each other's lists in advance. So we're going into this blind and we'll just see how long this takes and we'll see how much we agree or disagree. Fair, Eric, is there anything else, any other ground rules that we need to put around this? Contracts matter, age age matters, (laughs) player quality matters, obviously. Uh, Anything else that you need to say? No, I would say the only thing is everything matters. Like there's not there's not anything that goes into this that's like, oh, you know, this isn't blank dependent. Like this is factoring in essentially all criteria and right. then just trying to decide, you know, who would be the first guys you'd be happy to give away, who are the last guys uh that you're protecting and and trying to hold on to for as long as possible. Um which obviously as you already said, like Giannis will be the last person on this list because why on earth would you ever want to get rid of Giannis? You would never want to do that. You would hold on 
to him for dear life. So, um, yeah, I think, I think that about covers it. Only things I wanted to do, a uh, little bit of news before we get started. Travis Trice could technically not be a part of this, but also technically be a part of it uh, because the Bucks and, I guess, by proxy, the Wisconsin Herd acquired his G League uh, returning player rights today. Uh, so a three-team trade there. So uh, I technically, uh, that won't change that he's on a training camp contract, just that at the end of training camp, he couldn't actually go to the herd as opposed to, uh, capital city or Westchester. <laughs> I'm not sure which place he was actually the capital at. city. Go, go, right. Was yeah. that, is that, yeah, that's, that's a, that's, that's a, a real place. Yeah. Yes. That, yeah. That and this real. actually, this actually, uh, is a, an example of what we got tripped up on last yes. week around Christian Wood because Christian Wood, well, we mentioned, you know, normally if a guy does not have a returning team that he would be obligated to go to, if he returns to the G league, um, he would go to the team that he played for in training camp, right? So the Bucks, for instance, like I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here. My understanding, Jordan Barnett, because he's a rookie, played at Missouri last year. If the Bucks, you know, bring him into camp and wave him, I believe that he would be a herd player as an affiliate, or the the herd could claim his as an affiliate player because he doesn't have a returning team to go to. But um, Christian Wood, Travis Trice, they do. So, yes, but you can acquire guys by trading for them as they did with Travis Trice. Although I thought Trice played in uh, Europe for at least part of last year. So I, I don't know. It, maybe that was even longer ago than last year, but who cares? Whatever. Nobody cares about Travis Trice. Should we go? Should we just get on with this? Or is there more? Wait, no, there's more news. Yes. No, you were, you were right. He did play overseas for actually the last two years, 2016, 17 and 17, 18. Uh, but that was the last team that had his rights at that point. Um, so they had to work out a deal and make that work. And that's what they did. Um, I think the only time you would see some excitement from uh, the Lockdown Bucks podcast about someone's returning player rights getting traded would be obviously if they found a way to make a transaction for Christian Woods and they could keep him uh, on the G League squad. So uh, I guess keep an eye out on for that, but it is possible. Um, maybe not for someone as talented as Christian Wood, uh, but it did happen with Travis Trice, so it can happen. So keep that in mind. Um, other newsy things, the Bucks are having their block party on Sunday, I believe. I'm bad with the dates. I, it's sometime this weekend. Uh, I should probably actually know that, um, which day it is. But I believe it is Sunday. 26th, that, yeah. Yeah, Sunday, so but. Sunday they're having their block party. Uh, they're also having uh, open house for Pfizer Forum. And last night, my company, Good Karma Brands, hosted the 7th Annual Wisconsin Sports Awards. And we held... the wisconsin sports awards in pfizer forum and actually while we're here frank what what is what is what's the right way to say that sentence is it in the pfizer forum or in pfizer forum have we figured out if there's a the there yet what what do you think oh geez i hadn't even thought about it. because uh, like I, if i'm I, going to staples center i'm saying it was in staples center not in the staples center but Pfizer form, is it just in Pfizer form or in the Pfizer form? That's a good question. Um, I, 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 well, if I go to uh, the Wikipedia page, it just says Pfizer form is a multi-purpose reading. So um, I, I guess it's just Pfizer form. Now, man, now I'm like. It sounds in, weird, doesn't it? Like, I guess maybe a little bit, but yeah, I don't know. Because I, I always think of the forum. Yes. Um, but I don't know. I see other sentences where it says the Pfizer form, but then if it starts a sentence, it's just Pfizer form. I don't know. I, I have no 
I, I I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna have to just hear hear more people talk about okay, it. Okay, fine. I I struggled with it today as I was both writing and talking about uh, Fiserv Forum or the Fiserv Forum. Um, so I was trying to figure it out, and I was hoping you were gonna have something for me, but that's okay. Maybe I'll run a poll tomorrow and figure out if it should be the or just Fiserv Forum. So we can talk about that at a different date. But we held it there, and I would say this. Um, I remember as a kid, I went to the Miller Park open house, and I thought that was pretty cool. I remember they put on quite a show by opening and closing the roof, um, and it happened very quickly because uh, the roof was in top-notch shape. Uh, It takes a little bit longer now, but I remember thinking that was really cool because I didn't know if I was going to get to go to a game, and I didn't know if I would you know, ever see any of like the underbelly of the stadium and stuff like that. So I would say I would encourage you to go and go check it out. Um, and I, the one thing I thought walking in was the... So the East Atrium is a full glass facade, and light just comes through obviously um but it's also white or like off white or something it's white and the light i'm not going to tell you which shade of white um but the light with the sunlight comes in and like i will say when i walked through the doors for the first time yesterday as it was a finished arena as opposed to the other times I'd walked through through some like back passageway uh, because that's how tours are typically given while something's on construction. Like walking through the main doors with sunlight coming through with that all white like front, it, it's pretty cool. Like, uh, and again, uh, I was telling you this before, like I, I'm not trying to be a homer or anything like that, but you know, you walk in and you're like, damn, that was pretty cool. Um, so I would say if, if you do have a chance, uh, on Sunday, go take it and you'll probably get to see like the locker rooms and and stuff like that, uh, which may give my stories some more context, uh, when I'm telling them on the podcast throughout the season, uh, because you know, at times I will say people in certain parts of the locker room and now maybe you'll have a a clear mental picture of what that might, might look like. And I would say, just go do it. I I think it'd be cool. Um, the scoreboard is really impressive. You're going to see it also at games and stuff. Um, and for me, because, media starts with me um the wi-fi was fantastic and again there was only like a thousand people in there so maybe it will slow way down uh when you get all that in there but i don't know if you've read anything about it frank they have that thing wired up with wi-fi like i don't even know wi-fi ports i guess they'd be called like throughout the arena and peter Fagan claims three hundred thousand snapchats a second is what their internet can handle um which i don't know if that's a real number but it is an interesting way to get me to try to picture how something could happen uh so i am happy uh to say that I have high hopes for the Wi-Fi and the internet, something I could not say for the Bradley Center because typically around 6.15, both Matt Velasquez and I would get infuriated, shut our computers and go eat dinner because the internet had stopped working an hour before the game. So that's exciting stuff. Frank, you won't be able to do it, but those of you in the Milwaukee area, go and do it. Uh, Yeah, I I have suffered the, uh, you know, and and it's it's very common in like arenas, you go to a big concert, whatever, you get all those people that the 
cellular connections are also bad, right? Let alone, I mean, not even more talking about the Wi-Fi. Um, so uh, hopefully uh, that'll be be better. Um, although I will will not be using it to send Snapchats because I'm old. And uh, <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, in two years, are people still going to even Snapchat? I don't know. Snapchat. I don't. I don't know. Uh, That's a great question. We'll, We'll have to have our, our friend Ben Thompson on to talk to us about the which of these technologies, which of these social media companies are going to stick around. Um, since Ben is is a world renowned expert on on all things tech, but um, but yeah, the uh, the the Pfizer forum looks cool. Um, I'm I'm excited to see it. I don't I don't know if I'm going to see it before Christmas when I'm back home. Um, you know, uh, sneaking away when your wife has to care for a six to seventh month old. Uh, is tough to just you know leave for a weekend. So I just uh, don't think you're committed to being a Bucks fan anymore. Frank. Yeah, so I think that's I think that's sold true. Out. That's that's true. That's true. I've only recorded you know 500 <laughs> podcasts about this team in the last two years, so um, it's clearly not there. People clearly can clearly question your commitment. There's no doubt. About yeah. That. Um. So uh, okay. Anything else? I guess at the the award, what the uh, I think there were what three big award, quote unquote big awards that went to um, Bucks players slash owners last night. Correct. The um, Wisconsin uh, player, I guess the the athlete of the year went to Giannis, which is pretty cool, given that you know Aaron Rodgers. Well, I guess Aaron Rodgers was hurt, so maybe it wasn't that impressive. But um, but you had Giannis winning athlete of the year. You had Chris Middleton winning. Uh, what inspirational athlete of the year, Correct. and you had um, Giannis also won pro athlete of the year, and then oh. so he got both like athlete oh, and pro yeah. athlete, um, and then uh, the Bucks ownership group got the game changer award, and Jamie Dynan and Mark Lazary were there to uh, accept the award last night. When was the last time people saw Wes Edens and Mark Lazary in the same place? Whew. Right? I mean, were they were they both at the Budenholzer con- press conference? I can't remember. Um, I mean, I'm just thinking back to famously a year ago. Um, no, I don't know. If, I'm trying to think if any of the owners were at the Budenholzer press I, conference. I know. Uh, I, I, obviously, Horst was there. He was sitting next yeah, to him. Yeah, I don't, him, th- but I'm not, I don't think any sure. of, No, I don't think any of them were there. Yeah. I mean, they, they have never sat next to each other um, at games. That's That's always been the case since they started on the team. But then... I think probably ironically and famously, um, when John Horst was hired after that debacle, uh, Mark Lazary was uh, uh, prominently not uh, at the press <laughs> conference, which uh, I thought was pretty badass. Just because it was like, yeah, if you if knowing the backstory of of everything that went down, um, you know, I thought that that was like my you're going to wear this sort one. Of, yeah, that was like Mark Lazary kind of like basically doing the move on behalf of uh i think all of us that were watching and thinking what the hell is wes eden's doing but um yeah uh well whatever well we don't have to get into that that, that there's a whole uh, like i'm sure we'll talk a lot about that kind of stuff uh, only, at, at various points but i guess the only thing interesting there is if they were to use poster burner i su- suppose they're not gonna <laughs> print any pictures of them together at this point anymore but that shouldn't be the case for any of you uh you should be able to have all of your family photos your va- vacation photos your your photos of your kids uh you should be able to put all those up and bring those memories to life and again posterburner.com can do that for you it's an easy way to create great prints of your own photos and like i said you can do canvas prints which are obviously high quality and 
just the coolest. I love canvas printed stuff, uh, metal prints, decal stickers, banners. Uh, you can do a 24 by 36 movie size poster for under 20 bucks. It is all printed on super thick premium photo paper. So you can have great posters on your walls of yourself, of your family, of your friends, of your kids. It's all great stuff. And you can do it all at posterburner.com. If you go to posterburner.com slash bucks today, you'll get an additional 10% off your order. That discount applies to every type of print they offer. Again, that's posterburner.com slash bucks. 10% off your order to put your own photos on your own walls. By the way, if 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 I'm if I were to get uh you know because getting a a huge picture of Wes Edens and Mark Lazary on my wall is a big priority. Uh, <laughs> if I had to choose one, um, I know which one I'd get though. It'd be the one if you Google Wes Edens Mark Lazary. The first picture that comes up is from uh I guess maybe I think I guess it was from it says your Media Day 2015, and in the background lurking is Eric Benning, our dear oh, friend and, uh, and group compatriot. Uh, yeah, so Eric Benning lurking on... And you would zoom on... in on Benning, or... <laughs> well, I can't zoom in. I mean, I would, but I would want Eric lurking in the background in, in the massive poster I have. Um, all right, we, let's, we, we've screwed around enough. Let's get, to, uh, let's get to, to this breakdown. So we've got 17 players in the mix, 14 guaranteed contracts, three non-guaranteed contracts. Um, I, I didn't really have that hard of a time picking my bottom two, uh, do we do we want to just do you want to just tell me your bottom two and just see if they match my bottom two because I think the bottom two were obvious due to contractual reasons. Correct. Um, I haven't decided which one should go first. Technically, if we are trying to order this, um, I I don't know who gets paid more in in the next uh, two years. Um, but whichever one gets paid more, they can go further down on the list. Uh, but it would be Matthew Delvadova and John Henson. Those would be the bottom two players on my list. Yeah, and John Henson's getting paid um, close to $22 million over the next two years. He does have a declining contract, but $11.3 million this year, $10.5 next year. Delvadova, $9.6 million each of the next two years. So I, I think the fact that Henson makes slightly more, and also um, as much as, I mean, Delhi's a third-string point guard, but uh, hence, I mean, paying any center in, in this market um, with the declining value and cost of, us, of, of big men, um, I think makes Henson's contract that much more painful to look at so i'm with it uh, so we'll say john sorry john henson you're a very nice guy uh and you had a very solid season last year but again um you know if you can get rid of a contract like henson's with two years left um free up a bunch of cap space and let's be honest would the bucks miss john henson this year given the depth they have on uh, on the roster with the centers and you know not even counting it urson and, and Giannis? Uh, i don't really think so so um, apologies, John Henson, and um, slightly fewer apologies to Matthew Delvadova, who <laughs> doesn't get the last spot uh, in our rankings. But um, again, obviously, just the fact that he's a third string point guard making almost $10 million a year, um, that's not great value. I, I hope he actually you know, finds better footing under Mike Budenholzer than, than he found under Jason Kidd. I think he can still be a solid player, but, you know, again, it's just value relative to production is the issue. And one thing I, I will say, you brought it up there a little bit, but, I mean, kudos to John Henson for, like, actually playing sort of well last year. Like, he, he played in 76 games. He started 69. Um, he – I didn't realize this until uh, – my good friend Homer over at ESPN Milwaukee asked the question as uh, a trivia question, but 
who was second in rebounds on the team, and it was John Henson. And again, that could just be by default, 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 um, that he ended up being in the right place at the right time to grab those rebounds. But I will say kudos to him for putting together a, a pretty solid season that, again, I don't know if it's underrated because I didn't think he had like a crazy large impact on games. But, I mean, 26 minutes in 76 games, like, that's... That'll do. Like, like it's helpful. Like it, at least if you are going to be overpaid and have a bloated contract, at least perform. And uh, I mean, I think for uh, a portion of last season, he, he. I don't think he ever played up to his contract, but he did play. He, he did have some minutes, and he wasn't overwhelmingly terrible in those minutes. So um, <laughs> he wasn't overwhelmingly terrible. I mean, wow, that, that's fair, right? That's a that's a that's a that's a strong endorsement right there. Uh, sure, sure, but still, like twenty six rotation minutes, like that is that is something. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you if you're gonna pay a guy a lot of money, you might as well get something from him. And sure. I think that was certainly something that you know you could say John Henson did provide. He did provide really solid minutes and. Um, you know, he, uh, especially for, for a large part of the season, I think it maybe got re- declined a bit as the season went on, but, um, you know, by virtue of playing with those starters, they were good with him on the coat for the most part. You know, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying it was be because of John Henson that they were really good. Um, but certainly last year, um, you know, his on off metrics were, were generally pretty positive and they figured out a way to, to function really well. I mean, it's interesting. You look at his cleaning the glass numbers, um, his overall point differential, um, on off was negative each of his first five seasons. So basically he was, you know, you were better off with the other guys at his position last year, plus 9.2 points per 100 plus 23 expected win differential. Um, a very remarkable turnaround from what he'd done previously. So yeah, shout out to John Henson. He played well, finally, finally, finally beat out guys for a starting spot and, um, you know, served himself well. And, um, I think, you know, again, a guy that we'll have to see where he fits in this year. I think, um, you know, if you couldn't trade him after last year, I think that that suggests just how tough his contract is, right? He actually played pretty well, and I still don't think there was any any illusion that you could just swap him for uh, in a salary dump. So anyway, um, do you want to go to the 15th spot and see um, see where, where we ended up there? Sure. Um, I put Shabazz Muhammad in the 15th spot. I put Shabazz Muhammad there because I don't think he fits the archetype of an NBA basketball player at this point. Again, we debated it last week i think like what position does he even play it does is he a four is he a two is he a three is he a two three is he a three four um what are you even supposed to do with him uh, i think he's just a basketball player man jason <laughs> kidd would just say he's just a basketball player yeah i'm i'm sure he would um but that would not give him a better jump shot that would not make him better in catch and shoot situations that would not make him uh, a more willing and able floor spacer I just don't think his game makes a ton of sense in the modern NBA. Um, and he is obviously on a, a very small contract, a, a very minuscule contract, a contract that, that doesn't much matter. Um, but I, I just don't see him as an NBA player. I don't think he can contribute. So I will put him at 15. I have a feeling, Frank, that you don't feel the same way. 
Um, yeah, I, well, I would agree. I think if, uh, and this reflects in the, the picks we made, I think, in our pickup game, but um, if we're just talking about quality of player, I think Mohamed doesn't make this roster. I think he's probably him and DJ Wilson are the two, you know, at least from what we've seen, worst players on the roster. I think, you know, at least DJ Wilson, I suppose, hasn't hasn't played much in the NBA. So I, you can argue Shabazz is the guy that I would least want ignoring contracts on this team. So I, I will not argue um, a lot with you about that because, again, I don't want to be the guy who's arguing in favor of Shabazz Muhammad having a place on an NBA roster. But I did pick a different player. I picked a much better NBA player than Shabazz Muhammad as my 15th guy uh, from a uh, – what are we calling this? The uh, uh, expansion draft, uh, yeah. the Bucks expansion protection. No, we're calling it Buck Survivor. We'll we'll just rip off that name. Um, the fifteenth spot in my Buck Survivor list pains me to say it, Mister Forty Percent from Three, Tony Snell. And again, wow. this, this is not because Tony Snell is is bad at basketball, um, but just looking at his contract again, he's owed ten point six million next year, eleven point four the year after player option of 12.1 in the 2021 season, in which case, you know, again, unless he kind of really turns something around, you expect him to take that. So three years left at a pretty, pretty healthy number. And um, not just that, I mean, again, it's not that he's like just wildly, wildly overpaid. I mean, a guy, if, if again, if hopefully under uh, Mike Budenholzer, he ends up again, kind of being a really solid, um, you know, I'm guessing he's going to start, uh, but three and D role player, um, He's versatile defensively, good teammate, um, has made 40% of his threes the last two years. I mean, those are, those are really good starting points. Um, but I think part of the reason as well is just who else is on this roster. And, um, you know, is Tony Snell so critical to keep when you've also got Sterling Brown, Dante DiVincenzo, Pat Connaughton as sort of pure shooting guards, and you've also got Malcolm Brogdon who can play the two. Uh, you've also got, I think, Chris Middleton obviously has played the two at times in the past. You probably need him more at the three right now. But um, but you've just got a lot of, I think, other guys that could give you minutes there. And, you know, in, in DiVincenzo and Brown, guys that you invested high draft picks or, you know, well, not draft high draft picks for Sterling. But, but, yeah, you've invested draft picks in. And, you know, um, uh, again, like you can do better value-wise, I think, even if those guys aren't ready to be exactly what Tony Snell is. Um, you know, I think I would rather – you know, if you gave me the option of having Sterling Brown at 1.4 million or Tony Snell at at 10.6, it's a really easy call, <laughs> and it's reflected in my rankings. So, um, not to say Tony Snell is is really bad. I think he'll be solid this year. Um, I I would be happy to see him start. I think he's probably the best option as a starter right now. Um, but again, it's just a, a value question. And you know, if Tony Snell could, you know, just get picked up by another team into cap space or something like that you add another 10 million in potential cap room next summer. That's, that's a really attractive thing for me. Do you want to do another one or? Sure. Sure. I've, well, I've got Shabazz Muhammad 14, so I don't think we need to talk about that. So I had Shabazz 14. Um, who did you have at 14? Um, and we can see if, if it's someone that I perhaps had at 13. Um, I have Pat Connaughton at 14 um, with Connaughton. I think his contract again is fine. Um, I don't know if there's much proof that he is an NBA player. Um, I don't know if, if we've seen enough in his, his couple years of existence in the NBA to believe that he can actually play. And, and again, um, his, 
his player type is much more attractive than a guy like Shabazz Muhammad, which is why uh, he is placed above him. Um, but playing 82 games, playing 18 minutes a game in those 82 games, and you know, averaging 5.4 points per game, 35% from three. Uh, I have questions. I'm curious. Um, so, you know, maybe there, maybe he is uh, ready to go and, you know, you could slot him into uh, a role where he's just catching and shooting. Um, but uh, I feel like he was in a pretty good system for that uh, with the Trailblazers and I, I still have questions. So um, I will put Pat Connaughton at 14. You know, I was just looking at my list. I, the, the spots from like, let's see, like eight through 13 are really fluid for me. Eh, more like eight to 12. Um, and I had, I had, I, I actually just bumped Connaughton down a little bit, but I still had him higher than you did. Um, I actually had, um, at 14, I had Muhammad and then at 13, I had DJ Wilson. And then after that, it gets kind of sticky. Um, and I actually have Connaughton at 12. So let's let's do some compare. Let me let me know who did you have at 13 on your list? Tyler Zeller. Okay. Yeah, and, and this is where it kind of bounces around because like I had Zeller at 11. Um, okay. And so so let's kind of take it kind of piece by piece. So Zeller at 13 for you. What what made you put Zeller at 13? Um, below such notables as DJ Wilson in particular, which I find interesting. Um, I think it's literally just uh, an age type of thing. And again, I understand DJ Wilson isn't the youngest young guy. <laughs> um, I, I get it. Um, but I, I do still think, you know, you have a little bit of, of capital there yet. And Zeller has been a contributor, but I just don't know... Um, if there's a spot for him to contribute yet on this roster, um, I just look at the overlap at the center position and I have some questions and uh, I'm just not sure. Uh, I, and again, this is, this is much too hopeful for what DJ Wilson has shown to this point. But I mean, I think I'm probably giving him this year yet. The good, yeah, I, again, I probably won't get to see him much in games, um, but I will at least take the chance that there is a possibility that my first rounder uh, from the previous year still has a chance to be an NBA player, even though he has not shown much of that or any of that. Um, so I have him a little bit higher yet. Zeller has been a contributor, uh, but at the same time, I I, I just don't. I don't know if there's a huge difference between him and Connaughton. Like, I think Zeller is serviceable. Um, I think Connaughton could be serviceable as well. Uh, but they're both kind of on shorter deals. Zeller on a non-guaranteed deal uh, that I placed him a little bit higher. While we're here, I'm just going to say I have Tony Snell at 12. Um, mm-hmm. I have Tony Snell there for many of the same reasons as you do. I think Tony Snell is a better player than, um, and everybody, everybody behind him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, and uh, 
even maybe some of the, yeah, and certainly some of the guys in front of them on my list. Um, and I can tease this for next episode, but there's a group of players I have put together, including DJ Wilson, um, that go above Tony Snell that I found it easiest to group them together. I can talk about that on our next episode of this as we break that down. But yeah, I, I was only willing to drop Tony Snell as far as 12 and, I just think there's enough value in a guy that at this point I feel pretty confident is a 40% three point shooter. Um, I think there's enough value that even if it is overpaid, um, that a guy that can defend and be a a useful defender, he's not a great defender. He's not a shutdown defender. He's not going to be an all NBA defender, but I do think Tony Snell's a useful defender. He understands his role. He plays his role um and i think he can be maybe even a little bit better defender if he gets to do a little bit more switching uh so i think there's enough value for tony snell that i kept him at 12 um even though i think he's better than the 12th best player is made obvious in our pickup game um when i drafted him higher than that um but ultimately i dropped him down as far as 12 if if a team came to you with a $12 million trade exception tomorrow and you're John Horst and said, I will take Tony Snow off your hands for, for nothing, would would you take that? You'd wipe off yeah. you know, $11 million yeah. in caps yeah, for, I probably for this would. next summer? I would, yeah. I would feel disgusted with myself. Um, <laughs> just, be, just because, like, I mean, when you talk about Pat Connaughton, do I think Pat Connaughton can fill in? Yeah. Do I think he can shoot 40% from three? No, I'm, I'm not sure of it. Like, I, I don't have any confidence in that. There's a possibility that he could. And, you know, there's a possibility that Sterling Brown will find his stroke and be a 40% uh, three-point shooter, and he'll start to do that consistently. And, you know, there's a chance that Dante DiVincenzo can do that as well. So I do have some flyers, but as far as some level of certainty goes in having a 40% three-point shooter on the floor with Giannis Dettacumbo, I mean, I don't know if there's... Is there anyone outside outside of Middleton on the roster that you feel good about predicting forty percent for next year? Uh, no, no, and I mean it's telling that you know Tony in a you know year when he was you know it didn't feel like a great year. He still was fifty eight percent true shooting, forty percent from three. I mean that, that's yeah. sort of the irony that I think if you had told us that before the season, everyone would have been really happy with it. But um, because that was the question shooting. last summer, right? Like, can he do? Yeah. Can he be a forty percent three point shooter again? And he did right. it. Right, right. Um, yeah, I think for me, I and mean, this probably will be a good place to stop. Um, you know, there's a, a, I think everybody we've talked about so far, I would care, or at least from my perspective, you know, it have been guys with, um, let's say, negative contract value, right? Guys that, yep. you know, again, I would give away for free. If there's an expansion job, I'd say, yeah, take these guys, right? Henson, Delvadova, sorry, Tony Snell as well, um, 14, Shabazz. Don't need them. Keep them. Um, 13, DJ Wilson. Uh, I, again, I have DJ Wilson there because, to be honest, if you had told me someone will just take DJ Wilson and you'd have an additional $2.5 million in, you know, at the time, luxury tax uh, space, uh, you know, when that was still a thing we were worried about earlier in the summer, um, I would have done that. You know, I, sure. I, I'd have to see a lot from him in training camp to pick up his 2019-2020 option. And, yeah, I'm not um, doing that. Yeah, and again, I mean that's that's uh, in no small part just because the Bucks do have a chance to open up, 
you know, potentially um, some useful cap space. Uh, and, and it's pretty important, even though he doesn't have a huge contract that, you know, it's a $3 million bump that that would be pretty big. And again, I think if you're at the point where you have a first round pick and you're not even willing to pick up his third year player option or it's our team option kind of tells you everything you need to know, right? Like this guy obviously yeah. is not someone you really value. And even if he kind of plays his way into something this year, well, he's going to probably walk next summer. Or I guess you could bring him back if, you know, he's not, <laughs> doesn't have a little much demand, but, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, you know, he was a guy I never expected him to be the pick last year. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, he has, some theoretical skills that that could work as a as a modern NBA four, um, but it just doesn't seem like he plays with sort of the force, the power, um, the intensity that that he needs to. So I don't know. Hopefully we're proven wrong, but but I've got DJ at thirteen, and then I had Connaughton at twelve, um, and that's probably the point at which um, we're kind of getting to that break even point where um, you know, like Pat Connaughton for one point six million as a you know a bench shooting guard yeah i guess i'll keep him you yeah. know like i'm you know we're sort of at that point now where the asset valuations uh sort of hit an inflection point from negative to eh, neutral um and and i think the guys that we're going to start getting into uh in the in the next uh, episode are the ones that you know again i think are are the ones now as we hit sort of the the upslope where actually these guys are pretty useful and and yeah. Useful to the point that you wouldn't just want to necessarily give them away uh, in spite of their contracts. So, um, so anyway, so maybe we recap it real quick. So, did we go through twelve for you too? Because yep, I went. We are okay, twelve. So, so my list was Henson seventeen, Delvadova sixteen, Snell fifteen. Sorry, Tony, it's all contract. Fourteen, Mohammed. Thirteen, DJ Wilson, and uh, twelve, Pat. Connaughton what was your list again you you started with Henson as well I believe yep Henson to kick it off at 17 Delhi at 16 Shabazz at 15 uh, Pat Connaughton at 14 Tyler Zeller at 13 Tony Snell at 12 so those are our first was that six five six six so those are our first six we'll keep it going next week Um, I think it'll probably take up two or three podcasts we'll see uh how long we decide to go because believe it or not we went longer than we wanted to tonight uh so we just did that i'm sure it'll happen all over again because well that always happens with us so that is going to be it for us for this week we'll talk to you again next week a reminder before we do leave uh bucks open house and uh getting a chance to see five serve forum the five serve forum uh you get to do that on sunday uh so you can check that out there i think you might have to sign up on bucks.com just to like kind of rsvp and let them know that you're coming but maybe you don't maybe you can just show up i'm not 100 sure um you can do that research i'm not going to uh because uh, well i i don't care enough to do it uh if, so if you show up if you just show up then just like tell them that you want to buy season tickets or something and they'll i'll get i bet they'll i bet they'll let you <laughs> <laughs> there's a good chance that they would i think they would find their nearest ticket representative and take you on one heck of a tour uh so for frank madden i'm eric name this has been locked on bucks and it has been brought to you by posterburner.com slash bucks where you can get 10 percent off of your order at posterburner if you simply go to posterburner.com slash bucks for frank i'm eric this has been locked on bucks we'll talk to you again next week <laughs>